Happy Sunday, everyone. As you know, we're talking about, I want to say financial abundance, but you know, it goes much deeper than that. The, the title of the book we're using this month is called Spiritual Economics. And, and really, I think the phrase abundance doesn't quite do it. It's really about our nature as an abundant being in a limitless universe. Last week we talked more specifically about the unlimited nature of God. That if we want to experience more of life, more goodness in our world, first of all, our idea of God has to be big enough. If, if we think that even some things are denied to God, well, you know, what, what are our chances of, of, of living a full life, right? So last week we really focused on this idea of God, not only in its infinite nature in terms of the stuff, but also its infinite nature in terms of its grace, in terms of its willingness to give. And I used, I think, an interesting metaphor. I talked about each of us as though we were a hand and then God representing the whole body. And we talked about the idea, you know, does the hand have to beg or ask for its nutrients and its blood supply and its oxygen? No, really the gifts of heaven are here for us. It is God's really good pleasure, good grace to provide for us. Now, I know we don't always feel that way, and we talked a little bit about that last week. We talked about some of the ideas, some of the beliefs that swirl around in our heads that even when abundance is there for us, we still don't feel abundant. We still don't necessarily have the ability to accept some of that good for us. And if you'll remember, those of us uh, who were here last week know that I sent you off with a little bit of homework. And the homework was to check in with yourself and find maybe throughout the week an idea of lack or limitation that might be cropping up for you. So, so I use an example of maybe going to the grocery store and going, oh, gosh, that costs too much, or I guess I'll have to pass on that this time around, right? Just some little thing that might remind you or bring up those thoughts of not enough. Well, today, I want to take those thoughts that maybe are swirling around in our heads of insufficiency or lack and not enough and kind of address them heads on. And I think a good way to address false beliefs, maybe to start out with is a joke. Um, so here is our belief in Satan. Two young brothers are walking home from church after hearing a really strong sermon about Satan. The preacher had worked up quite a lather talking about Satan's temptations and the danger of going along with that way of life. So on the way home, the, the younger boy asked the older one, what do you think about all this Satan stuff? Do you believe that Satan exists? Well, the older boy replied, well, remember how we used to believe in Santa Claus? Remember how we used to think that Santa was keeping track of whether we were good or whether we were bad? Remember how disappointed we were when we found out the truth about Santa Claus? The younger boy said, oh, I see. So you really think it's just dad after all? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist that one. <laughs> But you know what? I think that a lot of our ideas in, in life about abundance, about our own place in it, make just about as much sense as that. I think a lot of our beliefs around money, 
around um, our ability to, to lead a, a good life, our ability to have good jobs and good relationships. I think a lot of the things that we were told and have come to believe about ourselves in the world is just about as truthful as that kind of childlike idea of what the devil might be or what Santa Claus is. And I want to say, although I'm not that much of a psychic or mind reader, I bet I can pinpoint a couple things that we all have in common in terms of false beliefs. So those of you that came with a real specific belief, I bet it'll fall into one of two categories. First of all, that there's simply not enough right? That there's a limited supply of stuff in the world. And, and some of us might even believe that if I'm going to come out okay, someone else has to suffer for it. Did you ever get the routine when you were a kid, well, eat your dinner because they're starving people in China? Now, I always wondered how I was going to get them those leftovers, if you know what I mean. But, but right from the get-go, I was primed with that idea that there just isn't enough. And if we don't take care of what we've got and hold on to it pretty tight, it's all going to dribble away or, or, or other people will get it. The idea of competition, the idea of just frankly not enough. There are not enough jobs. The economy isn't doing well enough for me to have a good job. You know, uh, uh, you know just it's not enough. Do you know what the other common thought is? I'm not enough. I think that is the other major limiter that's working in our lives. Not only is there not enough, but the other huge piece of it is I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough to get that job. I'm not uh, pretty enough or, or, uh, or, or well-to-do enough to have the kind of relationship that I want. I'm not strong enough to get the kind of work that I want to have. I'm not capable enough of, of having the experiences of being a good husband or a good father. All of the I'm not good enough based on my age, based on my experience, based on just random <laughs> craziness in the world, we come to the conclusion that there may be good, but I'm not going to see it. There may be the sweet life out there, but it's for other people. Why do you think this is? Do we not realize that we are the very creation of God itself out of God's own material? I mean, last week I think we covered really well that God is everything there is, so that's got to mean us. We have got to be right in our own hearts, right in our own minds, made of God's stuff. You know, in the, in the Bible and many wonderful scriptures throughout the world, they talk about us being made in God's image. Now, they don't mean that God you know, looks like Larry or, or, or looks like Sharon, although that wouldn't be a bad thing, would it, Sharon? <laughs> but, what it, but what it really means is, yeah, we have that same power. We have that same clarity. We are the divine in form. A piece of it, mind you. I, I mean, I'm not a megalomaniac, just a regular kind. And, uh, and, and so I, I would say, you know, everything in its perspective, but God doesn't make junk, right? We are here as part of the beloved, and in that way, we deserve all of it. To say that I'm too old or, or too whatever to experience my goodness, the only thing that's putting a limit on that isn't God. It's right here. Well, let me move the hand up. It's right here. The only person that can deny me the good life is me, and it starts with my thinking. It starts right where I am. I want to address this issue of I'm not enough, even in a, I think in a more personal way. 
So uh, at the first service, I said 30 years ago, and I actually stopped and looked at the calendar, and yeah, thanks, Sharon. (laughs) So maybe close to 40 years ago, I had my first job ever. It was with a telephone company. And uh, although I, I had finished college, you know, my degree was in English. There weren't a lot of things for English majors to do in the world in terms of making money. So I hired on at the telephone company just doing data entry. And, uh, and although I you know, was adequate at that, I, I mean, I got to tell you, it probably wasn't my big passion in life either. You know, just looking at a piece of paper and transcribing it. You know, I did just fine, uh, but that wasn't my life's ambition. And, and after a little bit, I did well at that enough so that they promoted me to a part-time supervisor of the people that were inputting that data, right? So I got like a dollar raise. This was a good thing, but still not my life's dreams. One day though, an idea came to me and it was a simple enough idea about how we might uh, improve the work at at the telephone company and that we'd save a little money doing it. And so just in that form of kind of a, a loose idea, I went up to my supervisor. Well, this was perhaps a mistake. Because the supervisor looks at me with hair down to here and, uh, and with my earrings in and looking a little, you know, young and rough. And she was kind of like, go back to your chair. Thanks for your idea. You know, go back to your chair. Well, the thing was, this idea kind of had a life of its own in my head. And I actually even had a couple dreams about it. To this day, I can remember one of the dreams I had where... And you know how those dreams, like you get from point A to point Z, and all the steps aren't laid out, but somehow you get there anyway? Well, I started having dreams like that about this little project that I thought would save some money. And so I actually began, like on napkins and on my lunch break, kind of noodling out ways that this money-saving thing, and you know what? Although I wasn't, my strength wasn't in math, it looked to me like we'd save a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money. Well, one day, I was walking by Mahogany Row, we used to call it, where all the district managers had their office. Now, keep in mind, a district manager at that time, corporations have flattened a little bit, but at that time, it was like my boss's 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 boss was in that office. And I went in and sat down. I don't know where I had the gumption to do that, but I went in and sat down, and, uh, and Mr. Corboy looked up at me and said, well, first of all, of course, he didn't know my name, right? Because that wouldn't have been what you would have done back then at his level. But, like, how can I help you? And I said, well, I have an idea for doing something around here that would, that would save us some money. And at first he was like kind of, you know, whatever. And then I said a magic word. I said, I think it might save us like a million dollars. And so he kind of looks over the desk. He said, really? And I said, yeah. And and I said, you know, what I'm really clear about is we can do it, too. I don't necessarily know how I'm going to do it, but I have complete confidence that this can be done. Oh, my gosh. Suddenly, I was invited to participate in a little bit of a feasibility study. Now, keep in mind, right? Most of the people doing project management work and feasibility studies there were at least 40 years older than me. I was making $11,000 a year. The project managers there were making 50 and 60. Do you know why he asked me to participate in this? It wasn't because he liked long hair. I'll give you a clue. It was because he could see in my eyes that I knew it could be done. 
It's because just in the way I spoke about it with conviction, he knew that I would do what it would take to have that plan come to fruition. And he knew it was in my heart to see it happen. Now, I got to tell you, I wonder if I would even be as successful today, right? Because what do I know today? I know all kinds of facts and figures. I know that someone right out of college with no particular experience in that field shouldn't even go into that office, right? I know today that someone that looked as different from the boss as I did doesn't have a snowball's chance. And well, you know that story, right? I didn't know any of those things. They say ignorance is bliss. I think ignorance may have been a leg up in this particular case. When we are sure that we can do a thing, we can do a thing. When it is within our power to understand something that is true for us, it doesn't matter what we look like on the outside. It doesn't matter what uh, precedents have gone before. When the world sees you turned on by something and firm in your convictions that it can be done and that you're the person that can do it, much to my surprise, he didn't even care that I didn't know exactly how it was going to be done. The clarity was, though, I had the vision of the end state. I had that dream in my mind, and I knew what the first couple steps were. You know what? I think that's all the universe ever asks of us. If we want the full support of God, if we want the full support of the entire universe at our disposal, I don't think that we need anything more than a clear vision of where we're going, some surety in our own heart that it is indeed going to happen, and just the glimmer of maybe the first two steps to start moving ahead. That's the recipe for success on any kind of level, whether it's the recipe for success in business or in a relationship, whether it be about a family or a loved one, whether it be the health of your own body, the clarity of where you want to go, the conviction that you will be there, and just maybe even the very first step. Maybe it's just working on a really good resume. Do you know what I mean? It can be that simple. What stands in our way? Just this. Just our own ideas of not being appropriate or not being enough. Just our own ideas that there aren't enough jobs to go around or or that health at my age is elusive or, or whatever it might be. It is only my own thoughts that stand in the way of however you want to define your your dream, whether it be physical wholeness, whether it be a loving relationship, whether it be a dynamite job, you and you alone have the key to both success and failure. And the the turning that key really is as simple as self-confidence, not necessarily that you have to know how something that can be done but simply to have that clear vision of what it is that is to be done and a willingness to take it one step at a time. So I hope that that will do in some of these false beliefs. But if you want to attack some of your own personal ones, I would say there are a couple fairly practical steps. First of all, ask yourself, is it even true? Most of the things that we're told may have had some measure of truth 
at some point in time in the world. But I would ask yourself, even literally, is what you're afraid of or what your lack or your limitation is, is it even true? You know, I was working with someone the other day who's out of work and she's in her early 60s, and she was saying, well, you know, really, I, I just need to look at whether I can get by on an early retirement, because, you know, no one's going to hire me at 60. And I said, well, is that even true? I mean, literally, is that true? There may be some race consciousness kind of thought that older employees are always skipped over. Is that even true anymore? And you know what? It isn't all that true. There are certain segments of the workforce where, yes, they tend to favor younger people. But believe me, this woman didn't want to work in fast food anyway. (laughs) For... For her segment of the workforce, the medium age was 50s and 60s. She was the definition of the people doing those jobs very successfully. So this notion of they would never hire her, oh my gosh, perhaps quite the reverse. Someone successful in that area, if there's a job opening, she would probably be the one that would get it with that level of it. I mean, not to mention the fact it's illegal to even ask what someone's age is anymore, right? So first of all, when you find yourself discounting who you are and what you are, when you find yourself saying I'm not good enough or not smart enough or have the wrong education or there's whatever it is, let's even just see if it's factual. Let's even just see if the fact is true. But let's not stop there. There are actual true statistics out there. Um, One that I'm not very happy about is that women statistically still have lower salaries than their male counterpart. I looked that one up too because someone came to me with that story, right? It's like, well, if I'm a woman, I can't hope to have the level of salary as the male counterparts. And of course, I was hoping to blow that one out of the water, right? I was hoping to say, oh no, that's not true anymore. Well, sadly, it is true anymore. But then I asked her, why does that have to be you. So what if that's true for 70% of women? Why were you thinking you'd be in the 70% that's true for? Why can't you be in the rather large 30% of women that earn exactly as much or more than their male counterparts, right? Do we not know women that are making millions of dollars? Uh, uh, Sharon was very kind to equate me to Oprah earlier uh, today. And I'm thinking, you know, I think she's doing all right for herself. Another person was, came up to me uh, doing some counseling around health issues. And, and you know what? I, I, I love doctors. I love nature paths. I love everybody in the healing fields. But sometimes I think to sort of play it safe or to get the family used to the idea of what, what kinds of complications can happen, sometimes they paint a really scary picture of what could happen. And in this particular case, the woman had been told that she had cancer and it had an 80% chance of remission and a 70% chance that she might need this kind of therapy. And, and so she came to me, you know, feeling kind of beaten up. And I said, I want you to go right back to that doctor and just ask another question. And she said, what's that? And I said, I want you to ask the doctor if he knows of cases where people have just magically been healed of that. Well, of course he had. 
Every doctor will tell you a story of someone that has some bizarre illness guaranteed to kill them within months. And 20 years later, the person is healthy. Every doctor has a story like that. So for every, you know, 80% chance of this and 40% chance of that and 23% chance of that, I just got to say, excuse me, but I'm a person and not a number. And what I know that can be true for me is I can be that one. I can be the other side of that statistic. I have been blessed in my life. Why would I think it would just stop now? Why would I think that somehow the universe has run on luck and mine just ran out? My universe is based on a connection to a higher power and that does not run out. And the level of my connection to God, the level of my willingness to see myself made out of God material, the ability in me to see the strength and the joy of God coming through me every day. Oh my gosh, who cares what the numbers are? This is not a number. This is life. This is love. This is joy. And when I hold it in my heart, it is my truth. And the world, including my body, including my finances, including my family, they respond to that. In this wonderful book, Eric Butterworth talks about it as the law of visualization. And I want to read to you this one section. He says, having conceived and deeply felt something or experience, you have actually created the condition in your mind that makes a particular result inevitable. Let me read that one more time. Having conceived and deeply felt something or experience, you've actually created the condition in your own mind that will make a particular result inevitable. One of the most effective ways in which we use this law of visualization, and here's a scary example, is in worry. Worriers vividly picture in their mind the undesirable conditions that they're worrying about. And in the fear and in the anxiety, they're actually visualizing Visualizing the end and creating the means in which the negativity will come. This is the way the mind unvaryingly works. Let us start worrying for good. It's like, what if I get an even bigger raise than I asked for, right? <laughs> what, what if the love affair goes on through the end of time? What if the children get great grades this term? Do you know what I mean? What if the next job is even more fabulous than one I've ever had before? When will we start worrying on that side of things? Our life is here. This law of visualization is simple. If you can see it, if you can believe it to be true for yourselves, then it will be. Now, it's not always instantaneous, right? Sometimes uh, there's a little lag in between the, the, what starts out as optimism and turns into a knowingness that you can do a thing, that something can be accomplished, just like my example of that project that I pulled off at work. When there is that inner knowingness and that ability to seal it and feel it and know that it's true in your own life, that's worrying for the good and it invariably will produce good results. I want to close today with one more piece of homework and a final quote. First of all, 
I really ask you in your own affairs to begin doing that truth test that I talked about. When you feel a lack or a limitation, when you see that there's something that you can't do or that you shouldn't do, something that seems out of the scope of your usual nature and those little voices say, oh, you're too old for this, you're, you're too, you don't have enough education for this, you live in the wrong part of town, you, your hair's too long, what, you know, whatever, whatever it is, the truth test is a simple one. Is it actually true? And you probably can Google on the internet and find out if it's actually true or if it's just something that someone told you that maybe was true a long time again. And then I want you to ask, is it, does it have to be true for me? Do I have to follow that same path that everybody else felt into, you know, into mayhem <laughs> or will I make different choices? Can I be the, the one or the 20 or the, the, you know, can I be the 40% instead of the 60%? Why the heck not? And then the last little bit uh, around your homework is that idea of the law of visualization. Find your dream. Find your dream in your own heart and begin imagining. At first, it'll seem like an imaginary exercise to believe that it's true for you, and that's okay. If at first it seems like you're kind of daydreaming a bit, so, uh, who cares how you start? But over time, own that dream as though it were already true for you. And that is the secret for making it true for you. Do worry on the positive side. Oh my gosh, I just know I'm going to get a wonderful new job. Oh, and what will I do with the, when I get the raise? What will, what will happen when... No, honestly, let's, if we're going to worry, if we're going to put that level of mental energy into something, let's go on the positive side. So that's your homework for this week. I want to close with a, another quote and, of course, a prayer. Here's how Eric... Butterworth ends this particular chapter and material. And of course, those of you that, that stay for afterwards will uh, we'll talk some more about this. Butterworth says, no miracles are required. You are a rich and creative spiritual being, and you will never be less than this. You may frustrate yourself. You may deny your potential. You may identify that which is less than what you can be. But within you now, Within you always is the unborn possibility of a limitless experience of both inner sanctuary and outer treasure. Yours is the privilege of giving birth to it, and you will as you believe it. Let us pray. There's one power, there's one presence, there's one life, there's one goodness, there's one God. I just breathe into that knowledge of all things as part of God, all of the riches of the universe, all of the love, all of the life, all of the comfort, all of the joy, all of the peace, all of it, all of it, God. And inescapably, that means me. I'm part of God's riches. And I deserve to tap in to that joy and that love. That is part of the gracious nature of God as the whole of which I am just a part. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room. Each person here is one of the heirs to this kingdom. Each person here has that ability to hold close to them and dear to them their dreams. And that as they do this, as they recognize their dreams have merit as they begin to realize that that end state is achievable as each of us understands that our dreams are more than just a dream 
as we hold it and recognize it as true for us, as we let go of outmoded ideas and false beliefs that stand in the way, our dream is realized. And that's what I know for each person in this room, that there is strength in that dreaming, that there is self-confidence in the power of the universe to back each person up, and that the dream becomes real. And I'm grateful in this knowledge, so grateful to be here in the power and the presence of God as it takes the forms of the people in this room. I let it be, and so it is. So it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for being here.